When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Teardown, the post-race podcast edition. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi. We are writers for The Athletic, and I am here at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum in a uh, replay booth. I guess it's a coach's booth of some kind, overlooking the track, and um as Brent Gamble from um, NASCAR Track PR just observed as he was helping me get in this room, he said, you know, uh, he's a listener to the teardown. He said, you know, you're actually going to be witnessing a teardown as you record the teardown. As the, as I talk right now to you, Jordan, uh, they are moving the barriers out. Uh, they're moving those walls out of the track already. They have um, tractors down there and forklifts, and they are getting ready to tear the track apart. Um, they have to be out of They're here. They're wasting time. No, they have to be out of here in two weeks, less than two weeks. Uh, there's a rugby, rugby game, game, rugby game here in three weeks from today <laughs> with a, on a grass field. So they have to completely tear this apart. But, uh, that gives us an opportunity to, um, to tear down this wonderful race and wonderful event, in my opinion, that happened today. Um, first of all, how are, how are you doing, Jordan? I, I am well, and I think most importantly what people are going to want to hear is let's start with this. You get to the track on Friday for the first time. You walk in. You see it in person. Your thoughts? I mean, from as we've talked about on here and, you know, as I wrote, this was this was the, the race I was most looking forward to all year. And as high as my expectations were for this event, I can honestly, sincerely say that this surpassed my expectations for what this is going to be, which is unbelievable to me because I could not wait to get here. I could not wait to see what was going to happen. And I just was so impressed. I mean, um, I, I walked in on, on that Friday with, with Jenna Fryer and Dustin Long, and we walked through the tunnel, and it was like, oh, oh, wow. And we all stopped to take pictures, and we're just like kind of looking at it. Like, it, it's similar to when you walk into Bristol, you know, and you see those towering stands, but Bristol is so much bigger, you know, and, and you're just like, wow, this place is huge. And it, there's all these stands around. This was like, holy cow, this feels so intimate. It feels like you're right on top of the track. And from that moment, I mean, it, I, Jordan, I cannot even tell you, I mean, I've been covering so many NASCAR races over the years and you go week in and week out and you run into people in the garage, whether they're crew people or drivers or industry people, other media members, whatever. And, you know, it's sort of like, you know, people have been doing it for a while. You get kind of cynical. It gets, it gets routine. You know, you've been there, done that feeling to it. Yeah. You're, you're, it's your job. And, you know, I'm not saying it's not a great job and it's not a fun job, but you know, people are just, you know, you run into people and they say, ah, live in the dream, live in the dream. And it's kind of like sarcastic. You know what I mean? And people are just going through the motions and in some cases or, 
you know, whatever. And, and I can tell you, this was so different than anything I've experienced in the NASCAR world because everybody was so enthusiastic about it. And there was so much energy. People were smiling and, and you'd run into people and instead of being like, Oh God, can you believe this or this or some complaint about NASCAR? People were like, can you believe they pulled this off? Like, or what do you think of this? Man, this looks amazing. Doesn't it? Like, holy cow from, I mean, drivers, crew members all the way down. Um, the, the amount of like positivity, I'm like, who are these drivers who that are smiling at this and saying, this is a blast. We've talked so often on this podcast about the drivers. They just don't seem like they're having fun anymore. They don't seem like they're enjoying it. They enjoyed this, you know, like they liked being here as all the way out across the country. They genuinely were excited to be here and enthusiastic about this event. Um, I don't know if they had like a lobotomy or something or they got their brains changed or, or whatever, but I mean, it, it was just so refreshing. And then, you know, just to to see the track, um, you know, NASCAR did such a good job, like such a professional job putting the track together. Um, and and part of me all weekend was waiting for that only in NASCAR moment, like uh, something's going to happen. You know, the track's going to come apart or there's going to be some disaster or some unforeseen thing or all the cars are going to break or they're, they're going to turn out, oh, they can't make a lap around the track without spinning out. Something is going to happen that makes this an only in NASCAR. Oh, typical NASCAR. Here we go again. Kind of screwed this up or whatever. And it, it didn't. It, it, they just, this was a big win. The vision from start to finish to execute this whole thing. Um, obviously, you can hear in my voice. It, it's I'm, I'm, a, I'm doing a rant, but it's the opposite of some of my normal rants. Like, this was such a fantastic weekend. Uh, I, I'm just so impressed. Um I mean, for, tell me from afar, what, what, what were your, some of impressions, your impressions from seeing this all unfold? I, I, it seemed like a big deal. I got a lot of text messages tonight, today, from people who I would not even say are casual NASCAR fans. They're just people who kind of keep abreast of it at, at, the, at a minimum, just because I'm, I'm their friend and they kind of see what's going on in my life. And they're texting me about it, saying, this is incredible. What do you think of this? And asking me questions, and they're engaged. Um, a good friend of mine who is definitely not an NASCAR fan was like, if this was nearby, I would go to this. If you're going to tell me that you have Ice Cube uh, doing a, a halftime concert, basically, <laughs> yeah. and you're going to see all of the craziness that you saw in the last chance qualifier number two, where it was just bumping and banging, and it, you know, it was fun. He was like, I would go watch that. You know, I had somebody said to me, hey, I'm glad I met you because I would not have known about this if not for you. And so that, that to me is what this is supposed to be about. This isn't about the tried and true NASCAR fan though. This appeals to them because this is a short track race. And I wrote about it in the athletic this week and how this race kind of branches across all sorts of different uh, fan bases, but this is for the casual fan who maybe doesn't have an idea of what NASCAR is, or um, maybe has preconceived notions about what NASCAR is. And this can change that. I think that did it in a big way that this can be fun and exciting and fresh and different and it didn't feel stoggy, you know, that, that old, you know, boring feeling that sometimes, you know, a lot of sometimes happens in, in, in NASCAR. And you've got, you know, pre-race concerts with artists. You're like, eh, really? Yeah. What are we doing here? Um, you know, it just felt like the same thing, like you kind of said in the beginning, like it's the same thing kind of every week. And it feels like that sometimes with, with the schedule, not so much in recent years because they, they have freshened it up. But this just felt so different and exciting. And we've talked about this on the podcast. You mentioned the word. This is an event. NASCAR needs events, and this is what this was. This was something that, when you it was announced, 
you circled on the calendar, you wrote about it and said, this is, this is going to be the number one most talked about anticipated race of the year. And for NASCAR to exceed those expectations, it, it is incredible. It has people excited. Um, it, you kind of get a little maybe overly excited. And you start thinking about the possibilities and what's next. And, you know, when's the next one going to be and where's it going to be at? It's like, I almost feel like we should just appreciate this for right now for what this is, because this was really incredible. I hear you on that, but I also think that this, we've talked about this is, you know, it, this is going to prove proof of concept stuff. Oh, yeah. And so um, I think that it absolutely deserves to be extrapolated into a larger conversation because this has been proved that this works now a stadium race. And not only that, um, there were so many things that happened today that I think we're like, Oh, okay, this could work. This could work at other places. Let's talk about heat races, how those worked, the eliminations of heat races. It made it very interesting and exciting throughout the day. You didn't have to just focus on the main event and say, was that a good race as we'll talk about, right? Um, which I thought that was a fine race, but you had some exciting heat races for the transfer spots. You had some chaotic, you know, poop show type, you know, the last chance qualifier was a, yeah, a bit of a I don't mess. I really think that was bad though. I thought it was good racing. It was hard racing and it wasn't, it didn't cross over into a circus. Like it sometimes can to me, it was just the byproduct of these guys. It's a short track and they're going hard at it. I, I was, I thought it was good. Well, and you know, they had something on the line. Um, and, the and there were stakes. Yes. And that, so that, that's something that you could take and apply elsewhere. You could take and apply elsewhere that, you know, for so long NASCAR said, well, we don't, you know, we don't want to send, we don't want to upset sponsors or teams by sending someone home with the heat race or whatever. I mean, you had Brad Kozlowski, Alex Bowman, Kurt Busch, Kurt Busch. they, they missed this race today. Uh, you know, the main event, but they were still there racing. So you got to see them, but nothing happened. You know, it's, it's fine. They went home. They didn't make it. Um, and I think there was others that did make it where you're like, wow, those guys, you know, Justin Haley. Wow. What a, this a statement for him. Harrison that, Burton. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Um, so I think that that's the kind of stuff that works. I also think that boy, does this, you know, not even just stadium races, but the whole more short tracks conversation just got a huge boost again, <laughs> because let's talk about how well these new cars worked on a short track, multiple drivers. And I didn't even think of this at all. Um, before this weekend, multiple drivers were saying this weekend how the old car would have struggled to make a lap around this track because of the narrow, narrower tires and the, the steering box. It didn't, you know, does, doesn't turn as well. This car we talked about is, oh, so good for road courses. So, you know, because it turns yeah. so well. Well, it's also great for short tracks with sharp corners, um, a, a, half, a quarter mile uh, short track like this. And drivers are saying, you know, I don't even know how you would have turned. You might have just wall rode all the way around or something. Austin <laughs> Dillon said, uh, you know, Kyle Busch and others were, were saying, I don't, I don't know. This car, the, the old car wouldn't have worked. So the, the next gen car, um, it actually worked out that this was the debut of it because it might not have even worked had they brought the old generation cars here. Yeah, and the important point about that too, and I and it's been touched on. And Paul Wolf, the Joey Logano's crew chief, talked about in the post race press conference, and I think it's a great point. Is the old car when you started banging on each other a little bit had a tendency to create flat tires, and if you would have had that car here because of the contact that was going on, you would have had so many spins, so many cautions, so much debris on the racetrack too, which we did not see tonight, by the way. Despite all of everything that was going on, you did not have parts flying off of these cars. You had a clean race relatively for the most part. And I know there's crashes or anything, but it wasn't like the track was littered with debris. Uh, this, I think the net, uh, to me, 
I forgot we were racing the next gen car. Like I was so intently focused on the action. It wasn't until afterwards I was able to process everything. I was making some notes. I was like, wow, that car did a great job. But your point is true. Like that old car would not have worked here. This new car had a pun intended smashing debut and it passed with flying colors. Well, you're right. And, and you know, the fact that you can, you know, actually have full contact and go for it and not cut down tires like at Martinsville or Bristol or whatever, you know, and, and give each other fender rubs. And, oh, you know, I, I don't think there was any flat tires today that I saw at all, despite all the contact. Um, you know, you had other things happening to, to yeah. guys, but, you know, um, those are those are things that will get worked out, I'm sure, over time with the new car. But even Steve O'Donnell said that his wife texted him during the race and, and was like, isn't is this the race with the new car? And he was sort of like. For a minute, like, <laughs> have you not paid attention? You know, have all this talking that we've been doing about about what what this race is. But then he was like, well, "Wait a minute, that's a good thing because it means it's not a focal point of the broadcast." You know that that hey, it's just you know we we were expecting that we would say that, and and it still might be an issue at other races. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, but it's, it's week one. This was a this was a very difficult uh, race in terms of putting wear on these cars. I mean, you're asking a lot of these cars. Um, in terms of contact, in terms of, you know, high braking, um, a lot of steering and, and things like that. And, and they overall did pretty well for, for the debut of a car. Obviously, we saw some guys have mechanical problems. And um, again, I, I, I'm not panicking about that because I think this was a, a high wear type race and those things will get worked out over time. But, um, you know, I, I just think it, it went pretty well for a new car to the point where you're not even thinking about it and you know after a while you're not even thinking about the door numbers and you're not even you know it was a race that didn't cross my mind until you mentioned it now about the door numbers yeah i mean it's it just didn't even think it was race cars it was race cars on a short track and it was a it wasn't the most spectacular short track race ever or anything like i mean it but it was a decent short track race it was i I think the racing was way better than i thought it was going to be i thought it was just going to be single file and you know really tough to pass and you saw guys passing you saw guys make it too wide and they be able to run there for a little bit you even saw people making it three wide to try to make moves um i mean people were diving they, you know there's sort of multiple lines because they could dive down on those rumble strips that they wanted to try it um you know i i just think for, for a track with very very little banking two and a half degrees uh i mean i just what, what was amazing to me is this ultimately all the things that people have been saying, well, let's just, I mean, I don't even put it on people that we've been saying and asking for, right? Like you want events, you know, big deal type stuff. You want more short track races. You want people to be able to make more contact. You want more aggressive racing and rivalries and tempers and storylines and stuff like that. Uh, you want to get into bigger markets. You know, you, I mean, this race today was basically in the heart of Los Angeles leading into Super Bowl week, obviously. And there was six hours of coverage on Big Fox. I mean, the clash wouldn't have even made it on Big Fox to begin with. It would have been on FS1, you know. Um, And there would have been hardly anybody there like there had been for previous. I mean, yes, this wasn't a sellout for a 70,000-seat stadium. But there was, I mean, to me, there was over 50,000 people here, maybe close to 60 by the time it filled in with that late-arriving L.A. crowd. Um, you still saw people, of course, on Twitter taking shots at it. And, and, you know, I, I, I understand that there's people out there that are going to be traditionalists and say this should have been Daytona for whatever reason. And, and you're just not going to be able to 
get past it. But I also saw a lot of people on Twitter, which by Twitter standards was amazing to me, saying, you know, I was a skeptic about this. I didn't think it would work or I was really down on this, but I enjoyed it or I'm in, I like this race. I'm having fun watching this. Um, I was really surprised at the amount of people who were basically saying on Twitter, I was wrong. I like this. This is fun. I'm having a great time watching this from home. Um, so I thought that was refreshing. Again, usually Twitter, you know, you kind of buckle down on your stance and that's it. But people were open-minded. Um, my, my measuring stick too, going back to like the, the freshness around this and everything was drivers taking pictures. I saw multiple drivers this weekend taking pictures of the track and walking around with their cell phones out. Um, not doing like a social media video, but like taking pictures for their own purposes, you know, like, um, they thought it was cool. What's yeah. I mean, when's the last time you saw that? I, I can't remember ever seeing that really. So it was new and it was fresh. There was a lot of expectations for this. It's really hard to exceed those expectations, but I think it did the racing, you know, the racing was fine. It, we can, you know, it wasn't, I, I think what my expectations for the racing itself was after the last chance, last chance qualifier two, I thought, oh man, the last 30, 40 laps of the feature are just going to be, it's going to be a gong show in a good way. And it wasn't. Um, and unfortunately, it just, what happened was it just a couple cautions came at the unlikely time. Kyle Busch was getting into traffic and Logano was chasing him down. And you're like, this is now going to get really, really good. And then you get a caution. And it's just unfortunate. And then in the last 10 laps or so, you didn't get that caution you probably needed. But the racing was still good. Guys can make moves. You saw guys come from the back. I think we talked about it, but you saw guys like Ty Dillon, Austin Sindrick, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Cody Ware. Um, guys you don't expect to maybe be out there doing things because they either don't have the experience, they're rookies, or they're with smaller teams, and they're making moves. And you know, and they were outperforming guys with bigger teams. I, I thought you couldn't have asked think for anything better. I thought the racing was really, really good. And I don't know how you can't see what transpired today. Everything off the track in terms of the immediate attention, the excitement, on the track and the, the quality racing and, and the intensity and everything that went with that and say, man, this race needs to go back to Daytona because it shouldn't. I mean, no, no. And I say, I know what you're going to say next too. go ahead <laughs> because this is like the absolute, this race, the success of this race today was the absolute death knell for hundred percent. The, the all-star race that, um, any, the, the all-star race can never be held at a mile and a half track never. again after this. Never. <laughs> Ever. Never. The, this year, I will say, I will, I'll go on record right now. And I have not formally talked to anybody about this that would have inside knowledge of this. I will bet you dollars to donuts. This is the last time you will ever, I shouldn't say ever. This is the last time that the all-star race is going to be on a mile and a half racetrack for a good while. I will bet you next year's all-star race is somewhere like what we saw today. Yes. And with a similar format too. Heat races and stuff because that's that makes it exciting that makes it fun um, different we talk all the time on this podcast how many times have we talked about and we've written about how the all-star race is dead everything has been done all of the formats are done and over with there's nothing good about it the racing isn't good what can they do the thing should just be put out to the passion well guess what we just found out how to save the all-star race and it's this because this was an all-star race it had the hype it had the excitement it had the action on the racetrack you do this in the middle of the summer in a big market, whether it's L.A., New York, wherever, 
this is your midsummer classic that is as good, if not better, than any other all star race out there or all star game out there. And, and what's amazing is, and you've you've written about this on the athletic too, is is iRacing's um, involvement in all this in making it so, you know, they they, you know, helped design the specs of the track and then they tested it out and you know made tweaks and stuff like that. And I I ran into Steve Myers from iRacing as I was trying to get my quiet track um, afterwards, and you know he said to me he said this this race basically raced exactly how we thought it was going to be. So the fact that they can do that with simulation and not even knowing, you know, how the new car was going to go exactly, but it, it matched up to what they thought like that. That's extremely positive because they can start getting the specs for anywhere they want to go in the world, you know, and designing it and saying, Hey, let's build this track on iRacing. We don't have to go out. They, they never came out and tested this track, you know, with, with actual cars on it. Um, you know, it's, that's extremely positive for the future of, you know, what kind of venues they can go to. And, and, you know, we, that'll be a great, you know, serious radio. We'll have such a field day with this because you, now you can say, Hey, where do you want to go next? And, and all these people will come up with every stadium, every conceivable (laughs) stadium and city around the world and the country. And, um, but it's true because I mean, all right, Jeff, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Okay. You pick next year. Where's this race at? And let's just say it's going to be the all-star race next year. Where are you putting it? Well, first of all, I mean, so you're saying not the clash or you're. Well, we got to figure that out. That's a conversation to be had of like, I mean, the clash and the all-star race are basically kind of one and the same. Is it time to just maybe, come, you know, just have one? I, I think I the opposite, Jordan. And, and, and Austin Dillon was the one who said this after the race. And I really, my ears perked up big time. And the more I thought about it, Austin Dillon said, you know, cause all the drivers were enjoying this, right? Like their attitude was like, Hey, this is really fun. And you know, they're, they're they want to, wanted to make the main, but they were just more soaking it in. And there wasn't as much pressure because, you know, like, let's say, let's say this had been a points race with this format and Kozlowski yeah. had missed, it would have been, Oh my gosh. Like this is, this isn't just like, Oh, we'll get him next week. That's like a serious hit to, you know, his playoff hopes or, or whatever, right? Like to not even make the main event and, and score, have the opportunity to score more points or whatever it would have been, you know, the driver's attitude. Uh, and, and, and I think we want to see the drivers having fun. Yes. You want to see, of course, the normal points races. And I'm not saying to get rid of that in any way. You want to see the intensity of the playoffs. But what Austin Dillon said was, what if we traded a few more points races for more exhibitions and increased the number of exhibitions? Um, I'm not saying those are all stadium races by any means, but, that way you could do sort of a heat race format. You could have some, some more opportunities where the guys are like, you know, Hey, they're relaxed. They're, they're enjoying themselves. Um, which I think we need, I, I you know, as, as spectators, as viewers, um, I, I, I think when the drivers enjoy themselves, when you see Kyle Busch smiling, you're like, wow, this, you know, this must be really fun for them. If, if Kyle Busch is enjoying it and thinks it's cool. I mean, after, uh, after the press conference with Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon, for second and third place, they walked off the press conference stage in the USC locker room and Ben Kennedy and Steve O'Donnell were waiting outside um, to have their turn for the press conference. And Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon high-fived those guys at the successful... <laughs> Kyle Busch finished second and high-fived somebody uh, congratulating them on what a successful event it was. I mean, that says a lot to me. So if you can replicate that kind of atmosphere and enthusiasm from the drivers... I think go for it. But backing up to your point, you, you asked the question, where, where should this be next year? I think, first of all, the clash, uh, I, I would like to see it. 
I, I actually think it should come back to LA um, one more year at the Coliseum because they they only announced this event in September. Um, they only started selling tickets for this basically a few months ago, right? Imagine if you say we're going to come back and you say that in March and you open ticket sales up, you know, when, when you announce a schedule, you have a whole, almost a whole year um, to promote this event. It's going to be sold out. NASCAR, year, I know. will say this too. NASCAR had a little bit of working against it too because the Rams made the Super Bowl and the LA uh, sports crowd is kind of focused on that. And that's hard to penetrate a little bit. Now, if there had been a different team in the Super Bowl, not the Rams, I, I think the interest in the area would probably been even higher. That is true. But I also think, I mean, you wouldn't believe that the amount of people who seem to know that NASCAR was here in town. Um, and I, I've experienced, and you have too, many races we go to like a hotel, like 15 minutes from the track. And they're like, why are you here? Kind of thing. Like, oh, NASCAR's racing nearby. And you're like, how can you not know this? You know what I mean? As big of a market as LA is, th there was a lot of local news coverage. Look what they're doing at the Coliseum. I mean, there was uh, like a lot of advertisements. I mean, people at hotels knew that NASCAR was here. Um, Alan Kavana flagged this, but Bill Maher opened his monologue with it for his show saying, you know, and he, obviously he doesn't talk about NASCAR uh, usually kind of thing, you know, as part of his monologue. Uh, things like that where you're just like, you know, LA really kind of knew like NASCAR's down the street. So that, that was big. But again, with imagine with a year of a full year of promotion, giving people time to plan their travel. Hopefully the pandemic gets resolved even more. I think you'd see a bigger crowd. These cars will race better a year from now because people would have learned a lot more about them. Um, and you could replicate this again by building this track again. So um, that's number one. I, this is a super long winded answer to your question. As far as the all-star race, I think the, the possibilities open up for that even more because th then you could get into an NFL state. You can't get into an NFL stadium at this time of year. This is a college football stadium. You nope. can't get into an NFL stadium. And this because time of year, too, with the weather, you're very limited on where you can go. Very, very true. limited. Very true. So if you do a summer race, say May, June, July, something like that for the all-star race, um, you have a lot more options. And I, I think that opens up the possibility of like the Meadowlands or um, MetLife Stadium. Uh, be across from New York City. I think there's there's going to be a strong, and you you wrote about this on the Athletics as well. I, I think there's a strong movement. I think people would love to go to Wembley Stadium in London. Um, you know, if NASCAR it wants to go international, I think that would be a great opportunity. You could build a track in there. They've had the Race of Champions in there, um, and I, I I think you could try to get sort of the the European crowd to come out. People from other countries, in addition to the UK, uh, that would be a big sort of headline grabber for NASCAR. Um, you know, ultimately what are you trying to do with this? Right? Like this is you know, uh, I think it was Barry Landis from Fox said that this is a, a great red carpet for the Daytona 500. People are going to be talking about Daytona 500 more than, than they would be if it was just the clash and the Daytona in the same week of clash Tuesday night on the road course or whatever. Right? So if you can get people talking about NASCAR with an existing event, on uh, existing slot on the schedule, um, whatever you do, I mean, that's a, that's a win. So I'm, I'm sorry. I just went on such a long answer. No, didn't let you talk. I have, but let ahead. me ask you this question then too. Um, you know, NASCAR through its history has a tendency where they kind of go to the well, too, if they find something that works, they tend to go to the well too many, too much, too much, it, too much for sure. Too much road courses, it, road courses, mile and a half racetracks. I mean, it, it list goes on. What is, the number for you of these type of races per year. To me, I think two at the most. 
two, absolutely two max, two max. And maybe one is the max. It could be one, you know, maybe, maybe you have one stadium race, but then you take the all-star race to, you know, a a shorter track, an existing shorter track and move that around or whatever. And I think this race showed, we, we talked about this before with short tracks and obviously you go to short tracks. They don't have safer barriers. They don't have amenities. We've talked about that and how it's a problem. But this race to me did show, though, that you can go somewhere. Now, you've got to be willing to spend the money, and you don't want to go bankrupt doing that, but you should be able to spend the money. You can go to Hickory, for example, and say, you know what? We've got our own safer barriers. We're going to bring them in, and we're going to throw them up, and we've got you know everything else we can put together. We can make this racetrack work for us for one night a year for a non-points race. So then Hickory, Bowman, Gray, it opens up the possibility that all of a sudden – your all-star race once a year is kind of like the field of dreams game in in major league baseball, where you're going to this small kind of out of the way venue, but it's kind of a harken back to your past. I think that, I think that's the avenue for the all-star race. I I think that's totally valid. And I don't even think you need safer barriers, honestly. I mean, uh, aside from Uh, Eric Almarola's hit, um, you know, down, down in a turn between turns three and four, uh, the other guys smashed into the Jersey barriers and bent them they just had to put them slide them back into place um but those are concrete barriers with no those were some of the hardest hits of the day but you're still not going fast enough at these tiny tracks if you go to a tiny track you're not gonna these cars are designed to withstand huge hits at at daytona going 200 miles an hour i I mean i'm just you know me i'm trained to i've been ingrained in the you got to have the safer barriers out there kind of mentality that's where i come from and maybe you don't maybe i'm wrong but that just seems to me i'm Safety is, you know, paramount. That's fine. I mean, if you if you want to put them up for show or whatever, that's fine too. But I just I don't think you need I don't think you need them. You're going. I mean, they were going probably a max today of of seventy or whatever at their at their peak <laughs> moment. And you know, going through the corners, they're going, you know, thirty or forty miles per hour maybe. And if they get spun out, you know, they're not even going to move the wall enough to have the safer barrier come into effect. So. Um, I don't know. I, I think the, I think the excuses for, and again, I'm not advocating a points race cause that that's a different conversation, but the excuse of not being willing to go to a, a short track an existing short track or are quickly diminishing. I, I do not, I, I do no longer think there are, is a reason not to do it. You can talk about attendance and everything, but some of these racetracks, you can squeeze in quite a bit of number of people. And I, I just, I, I think you have to. I think that's the next hurdle that NASCAR needs to push through is, is going to one of those short tracks and saying, we're going to do this. We're going to make our midsummer race, the all-star race, something you can remember by going to one of our old short tracks. Jordan, speaking of overdoing it on something that seems to work, I, I think there, there also is a danger in, you know, because this, this was a show, right? And everybody accepted this is a show, you know, there's a halftime break. Um, you know, there's a pre- big pre-race concert after the heats. There's all these different things about it. There's DJ playing, you know, in the race breaks and all that stuff, right? Ice Cube. Dude, by the way, that was Oh my. That was really cool. Like, I don't mean to Can I just go to side? Like out of everything that happened. And the LA, LA Coliseum race, the clash was amazing. Racing was great. Track was beautiful. Ice Cube, maybe my most favorite thing out of. <laughs> like, I loved it. And I saw people dancing on TV. I was just, that was amazing that Ice Cube, a rapper, was performing at a NASCAR race at halftime. Like, who would have thought? Like, come on. 
I know. Absolutely bonkers world. Uh, Ice Cube performing at a was, NASCAR race it. inside a stadium. It was great. The crowd was loving it. They opened up the windows. We were up here in the USC football press box, and the windows is this beautiful new press box and suites facility, and the windows like slide up automatically, like open automatically, like all like together at once. No, they like just slide upward, kind of like, I don't know how okay. to explain it, but they're like split in half and they just magically go up. Um, so we got the full effect of the concert and it, it was, it was just, I was just like smiling. Cause I was just like, this is, this is so surreal. Um, but I don't know. I even know what my, what I was going to say. I lost my train of thought. Ice cube listening to ice cube. No, before that, I, I don't know what I was going to say, but um, anyway, like I, I just think, oh yeah, the danger, the danger in, in, like, I think that, you know, Kyle Busch said, look, this is a show. And you know how Kyle Busch wants to be real racer, pure racer and stuff. But he was sort of like, you know, everybody everybody accepted that this was part of a show. Or, or like, you know, and that, that goes toward the event part of it. But you don't you don't want to have too many shows because you have, to res- you have to have enough of the schedule that is actual, like... And it can be entertaining. I'm not saying you can't have really... Make it really fun for everybody that comes out. But you can't go down the the total, um, you know, sports entertainment. You can't completely sell out that direction. You've got to have enough races on this, on the calendar that you're like, okay, we are determining a champion here. After all, we're determining a playoff driver. We're turning race winners and we're measuring history for the future NASCAR hall of fame and, and all this stuff of like who, who really is the best, who, who performs the best. So you don't want to have so many, uh, events where they can be so easily dismissed or, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, that are just odd kind of thing. I think they're not, I, I disagree sprinkle with them. Okay, go ahead. Because I look at tonight, I, I don't look at it. What the on track product to me, that's racing. What, when the green flag flew and you put everything else aside, the pit bull concert, ice cube, everything else. When that green flag waved on the 150 lap feature tonight, that was racing. That was the best drivers who earned their way in fought for a win, and the battle between Kyle Busch and Joey Logano was a straight-up battle. There was no gimmicks. There, it was, there, was a ha- there was a break, but big deal. Um, that was a race. That was two guys showing who could get the better of each other. That That's classic racing. And for uh, anybody who is who says that they're about old-school racing, this is it. That was old-school racing as it gets. But let's say this was for points. Don't you think this would have been a very, very different outcome with different stakes and you know it wouldn't have been so easily to easy to dismiss you know ryan blaney getting bumped or, or larson taking out haley or or whatever you you know when it, when it's an exhibition you can just it's for me at least it's very easy to be like well i don't care there's a halftime break it's an exhibition i don't care that this happened it's for no points you know like i have a totally different attitude if that was a points race and you take somebody out or you have a mechanical failure. That's like, uh, I don't know that this wouldn't have happened that's on a racing. bigger track. You have mechanical failures. You have Bristol last fall where you had guys getting into each other and taking each other out. That is short track racing. That is what the essence of NASCAR is, is hard, physical, full contact racing where you're turning guys. Cause you're pissed off at them and, and you're doing something you probably are going to regret later. That's what NASCAR is. And mechanical failures are, I'd like to see mechanical failures. I don't, want to see cars that are bulletproof i think this was great well you're going to see a lot of them this year i think at least in the early part of the <laughs> yes. season uh, as they as they work out the kinks 
That's yeah, going to make some these races very unpredictable early in the year, by the way, because I think you'll have situations like with Reddick today where, oof. you know, you'll have the race leader and something will happen. You'll be like, wow, that sucks. And, and, and they don't even build their own, create their own parts. So it's not like they can be like, all right, we'll, we'll build a better part next time. We built this too light or whatever. It's going to be like, mm-hmm. dang, we got the wrong thing from the vendor. Or, you yeah, know, what do you do? Like send it ask the email? Is there like a Yelp score we can affect or something? Or yeah, how does that work? Amazon review of like, this part yeah. broke while I was leading the race. One do not, star. Yeah, one star. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Denny Hamlin not leaving a positive review about some of his parts uh. today. Um, what else were some of your, your impressions from, from all this? To me, I mentioned it, but seeing guys that you don't typically see put on a good show. The Cody Wares, the Eric Joneses, the Justin Haley's. That was great. I, I love I I love the, the the short 23 car feature with 150 laps. It didn't feel long. We talk about race length so many times on this podcast. This thing flew by today. It it didn't feel excessive. Um, I was really happy to see and you can sometimes see this with NASCARs a lot, a lot of events. It's just not NASCAR where things this things back up, things get prolonged. There was none of that. The first four uh, qualifying races, it was boom, 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 boom. They went through. And now the last one got a little weird because of some caution thing, but still, I, I was impressed by that. They definitely kept uh, it moving. The you know, they really yeah, did. They, they really did a good I, job with that. Yeah, I, I, everything was. And it only the only reason that the start time for the 150 main was pushed back was because of the number of cautions. I like the fact that it was hard for guys to to get into the main show and that you saw a Kurt Busch, you, you saw a, a Brad Keselowski, Eric Almirola, Alex Bowman not get in. You saw Martin Truex Jr., who almost won the championship a year ago, have to take a provisional. Denny Hamlin had to go and, and win a last-chance qualifier to get in. That's great. I, I mean, to me, would you like I to see? Would you like to see some points races? Yeah. You would? Yes. Yeah, and I know, and I know what Steve O'Donnell said post race, and he said, you know, it's not really something we're considering right now, and there's got to be a lot of, you know, considerations made to TV part to TV, um, TV time allotment with sponsors for teams and that kind of thing, and I understand that, but I also didn't feel like any of the teams that didn't make the race to, the main race today were shortchanged. They got their TV time, and it's exciting, and I and I don't think it's going to impact. I think you can do it in a way where if you don't make the main, you just score them as twenty fourth, and you give them twenty fourth points. I agree with you. No, I, I, and I'm not saying this should be the format for every race, but I think there's certain races, especially if a race has, if a track has two races. Yes. Yes. I know you're right. It's not something you need every week because it's going to get redundant. But again, if you have a midsummer race, that is just like, eh, let's use Michigan because Michigan needs all the help I can get. Right. Like I was going to say, I was going to say like a Richmond. Sure. A Richmond, that's, you can have a, that's an even better one, right? A there. traditional race better. for one of their yeah. races. Short track you, race. You come back and you say, this race is different because it has the short track format and we're going to have heats yep. for this. And as long as you do the heats on the same day, I don't yep. see how a sponsor could like Keselowski's sponsor with that violet protection mm-hmm. or whatever it was, which really cool paint scheme, by the way, you know, you sponsor a big name driver. He didn't make it, but he still, he was still battling. He had his heat. He had a fifty a fifty lap last chance race. He was in the mix, sort of, so to speak. He yep. had his chance to to do it. Um, it's not like he completed one lap and got taken out, and that was it. Um, so, let's say he had 
you know, made the main and wasn't a factor, he wouldn't have gotten any TV time essentially, but his, his sponsors or his hospitality or whatever he does on a normal race weekend. Yeah. Pay, pay the points for that. It would be no different than if you just had some early race incident essentially, which happens all the time. Um, and I think that feeling of having more on the line, because again, like I think if, if you came to this race today, if I'm trying to put myself in position of a fan, okay. The main event was 37 miles long. (laughs) <laughs> which is weird, but, and you know, Oh, did I, did I fly here to see a 37 mile NASCAR race? But the thing is like, if you take the totality of the day, you come there was, they had uh, a nice area, fan area, uh, to walk through. You walk around the Coliseum, you check that out. You, um, you see the heat races, you see the last chance races, 450 see- laps today, by the way, I just did the math really quick. That's, that's, out of everything you saw today was 450 laps. That's basically Bristol. Yeah. Or yeah. Martinsville. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah. And, and then you see the concerts as well. You add that all into it. You know, the, the ceremonies, um, the fans were hyped in, in the bowl. I mean, there were, you know, like on the PA, there was a lot more, um, sort of, uh, response to what was happening on the, on the PA than a normal race because it, you know, such an intimate, intimate stadium environment, uh, you know, the flyover and people chanting USA and stuff. I mean, even Kyle Busch was like, that was really cool. Like uh, that, that, you know, I was hyped up after that and stuff. I mean, drivers talking about how nervous they were, uh, to make the heat. If you take the totality of that, even if you didn't like one thing about, Oh, the driver intros weren't that good or whatever you, you would, I, I, I feel very confident in saying that people that came to this would leave here today and sitting in their cars going home going, man, that was really fun. I'm really glad we did that. It's not going to be like you go to some race and it was boring and you're like, that was kind of, why did we come to that? Like, that was kind of, a, uh, there wasn't really much to do. And we walked around and there was a race and it, it happened. And I don't know if we're going to, I don't know if we go back to that track again. I feel like this was, if you came to this, you would be like, Oh, I want to do that again. I'm actually me personally, I'm kind of disappointed that this weekend is over because I enjoyed it so much and it was so refreshing to me. The feeling you want your customer to leave with because that makes them want to come back. Yes, and a shorter race does have something to do with that. I saw, you know, well, should they have added another 50 or 100 laps? I don't know. I think it was a good... If you take the day as a whole, including heat races, like you just said, you had enough laps. It's not your, you know, NASCAR's fault that maybe people only showed up for the main or something, yeah. you know, um, if they did, they missed the best race of the day. That's on them. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So anyway, I feel like we're probably missing something and, uh, but I, I, I want to definitely note, and, and I'll, I like to write something in my top five about this as well. I hope, I don't know how, how I'm going to write all my, all the quotes that we got this weekend from all the different things <laughs> into a top five. Um, I feel like there's so much more to talk about even, but I will say I was very impressed with um, Ben Kennedy, and I don't want this to come off as a butt-kissing type thing, but I, I'm just being completely serious here, okay? This was essentially Ben Kennedy's vision, but we had multiple times to talk to Ben Kennedy this weekend, and I even talked to him not uh, on the record, just ran, in, ran into him in the garage and was talking to him. And you can put it a million different ways to Ben Kennedy, about his vision or this, his idea or whatever, he will not take credit for it. Team effort. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he deflects, he says, well, you know, my, you know, Steve O'Donnell, Steve Phelps, this was all, you know, I racing, all the stuff he talks about all, all the other people. Yeah. 
He likes and, to stay underneath the radar in the background. And that is that is an exceptional quality for a young leader because a lot of young people who would be in his position, you know, part of the France family, the founding family of NASCAR, would be wanting to make a sta- make the statement that he did today by putting his neck out there to say, let's do this stadium race. It's going to work, guys. And Steve O'Donnell even said there were some naysayers internally that were like hesitant about doing this kind of thing. Ben Kennedy pushed for it. He got this deal done. And you the, the temptation would be there to then take you know, do the victory lap and take the credit for it and jump up and down and say, I did it, you know, yay me, you know, my vision, follow me kind of thing. Didn't do that. You know, he, he really, um, is humble about it. And I think that's a a very good sign for NASCAR because you saw, like I said, you saw the drivers, they're, they're building confidence in him as he gets a bigger and bigger role every year. Um, and, the and Steve O'Donnell said it well too. There was maybe a shift when they they went away from that rules package that the drivers didn't like. You know, he said some fans did like it. I, I won't argue with that, but a lot of people didn't like the 550 package. They went away from that. That sort of took a big load off in the industry of like tension. I think, uh, you know, to to do the higher horsepower rules package, and that maybe started some some trust building. And then when you can come here, get all the drivers on board, uh, obviously the numbers that's been thrown out there, um, 70% of the people here um, were apparently new, uh, had never been to a NASCAR race before, or at least, the. so let us let me clarify this real quick, because um, this I've seen this number bandied about a little bit. The, the number that NASCAR had seen in, in Ticketmaster's system Ticketmaster has a record of who's bought tickets for a NASCAR-owned event. So I'm not sure that means like SMI. They could have been to an SMI race, for instance. But as far as a NASCAR-owned event, 70% of the ticket buyers had never bought a ticket to a NASCAR-owned event before. And apparently, like, about half of these people weren't even, like, there was, weren't even in the system at all as far as, like, merchandise sales or... Um, like there was no, they had no interaction previously with the sport of NASCAR when you cross-reference them. So that's where people are getting this number. But when you have an opportunity like that, the drivers, you know, had a call and they were told this by NASCAR, like, Hey, this is big because of this 70%, blah, blah, blah. The driver, you know, so he was able to get the drivers on board. You build that confidence. And then the next time you have an idea or you want to go do something and Ben Kennedy saying, Hey guys. I think this is the right way to go. The drivers are going to be a lot more willing to follow him and work with him. And how many times have we seen drivers in NASCAR butt heads over the years? If you can sort of get the drivers on board with what's happening and get them involved in the process more and have buy-in to it, I think that's really big. And I think Ben Kennedy's on the way to doing that. And I think that's very important and shouldn't be overlooked at all. I echo everything you said. And I did a big profile on Ben last spring. Uh, and I just tweeted it out a little bit ago. So if you want to learn more about Ben and his leadership style, which which you talked about, and why he is so important for NASCAR, I, I recommend you go read that. I think you're going to learn a lot. And I think you're going to have a comfort level in the direction that NASCAR is headed, that you know NASCAR is in good hands. And to your point about the drivers, there's a, there's a, a quote in there from Den- Denny Hamlin. I asked Denny about uh, Ben Kennedy and his relationship with Ben. And he goes, you know, I don't, know at the time he goes i don't know ben real well i goes i I know he's around 
But he goes, what impresses me, though, is that he comes into these meetings and he's asking questions and he's taking notes. He's not coming into these meetings telling us how we're going to do things and trying to, you know, you know, write everything from scratch and, and change everything. And like he knows everything. He comes in, keeps his head down, and he goes, he's always taking notes. It tells you a lot about that guy because he doesn't have to be that way with him. Again, if you haven't had a chance, please rec- uh, take, take a chance to, to read that story. I think you're going to like it a lot. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I think NASCAR with Ben Kennedy is in, in, in very good hands. The one one last thing I'll say about that, I, I was trying to like watch his face when various people would like praise him or like or like Steve O'Donnell was after the race trying to give him credit because he's, he's yeah been and, so and OD is his mentor. I, I yeah. think that's the best way to describe it. Um, and, and again, I touched that in the story as well. And or or like you know media members saying you know this was a success or or whatever. And and he doesn't like okay, let's say it was me. I'll I'll, I'll own it. Okay, let's say it was me and this is my idea. <laughs> And it worked. And then I was sitting up at the podium afterwards and somebody's like, man, Jeff, that was a, that was a great idea. I'd probably smile and be like, oh, well, thanks. And, or, you know, something like that. I, I, I don't think I'd be able to hide it. Like I'd be satisfied. I'd be proud of myself and be like, damn right. You know, but he has like no Ben's face. I'd like no sort of reaction. Like he wasn't taking it and acknowledging it and being like, yeah, that's right. I'm the man. Like I, you know, there, there was no, he wasn't accepting that that credit. He was just kind of like, okay, I, I, I hear people saying this, these nice things and, you know, but I, you know, he's going to deflect and, and keep giving credit to others. So again, I, I find that to be an endearing quality for a leader, especially a young leader being placed in this position. If you're looking for reasons to, you know, be optimistic about the future. Um, I think that's, that's one you can look at now, Jordan, Speaking of uh, reasons to be optimistic about the future, I feel pretty good about the was it a good race poll <laughs> this year because I feel like um, it's going to be a big, big year for me. I've, I'm back on the – had a big playoff run, back in the, the pulse of things, and I feel really good about my prediction. Now, I already had to think about this a little because Austin Dillon sat down in the post-race press conference and immediately said, Gluck, did you put your poll out yet? And I'm like, no, that's tomorrow. And he's like, what's what's it going to be? What's your guess? So I already started thinking, I don't want to like, you know, ruin it because I'm like, I got to save it for to beat Jordan on the podcast in case Jordan's I'm watching. I'm actually glad you tweeted that out, by the way, because I was able to read comments, which influenced my, which is going to influence my pick. It, it so definitely it does. It definitely does. Um, listen, okay. My, my initial thought is somewhere in the eighties. Um, I don't think it was, I don't think the race itself, it was a 90% type race. The event was a 90% type race, but I don't think the race itself was, a was an event, uh, was that kind of race. So I, I want to say in the eighties, however, I think that you did have a decent amount of detractors about this race who for whatever reason, for whatever, for whatever reason, just didn't like it. Just were not, um, not pleased uh, were, you know, whether they didn't like the concept didn't like NASCAR being in California, didn't like it being moved from Daytona, uh, didn't think it was a good idea to, to have a race in a stadium because this track was too small and it wouldn't be real racing. They didn't like having a halftime concert. They didn't like ice cube. They didn't like whatever. There's enough of those people that I think that's at least going to take off 5% because you're not going to get their vote no matter what. And they want to express their much like we had with the rules package times last year, they're just going to express their, uh, whatever 
So that all that said, um, I think I'm going to go with like a 76%, which I don't think, I think it deserves to be mid eighties, but I just don't, I think you're going to have enough people for who, whatever reason, I mean, I don't know, 76 feels low to me, but I just don't think there's enough negativity out there about this race that I think you'll have a, a strong, some strong nose from people who, who will be looking to vote uh, very eagerly. So I, I'm going to go 76 for my first guess of the year. I agree with everything you've said there, uh, everything. Uh, and this is why I'm voting this way. I'm going 83. If you would have asked me after the second last chance qualifier, I probably would have gone in the 90s. I think the, the the bar that that set, though, for the feature was probably a little high. I didn't think the racing was bad at all. It just probably was a little – I think we all thought we were going to get, like, that crazy, you know, he spins him out, wreck him, finish, especially when you had Joey Logano and Kyle Busch in the mix. We didn't get it. It was a good race. Don't get me wrong. I just think we all kind of thought it was going to be something different. There's going to – and seeing the comments I've already seen on, on social media, I think it's going to be a solid 83 – Probably should be maybe a little bit higher, but I think 83 is going to be a number. You go low this week. I think you went too low. I think you opened the door for me. I will take that W and move on to Daytona. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that happening. I mean, I, I really could. I, I think I may have blown it. Um, it's possible, but I I don't know. I just I just get a feeling there was enough people out there on Twitter who were. And again, I, I kind of read the comments and judge it like you do um, as well. Um. Wow. Uh, this was, this was quite the event. Still so much more to, I feel like, unpack from this in, in the days and weeks to come. And maybe the most exciting thing about it is that, you know, Daytona 500 is next. And it's not like there's like some big like, oh, OK, you go from this to some boring track and there's some huge drop off. You know, there's there's more excitement to come. And uh, I think that's exciting and positive and uh i'm really excited to see you in daytona and and uh get cracking on that we'll have one more podcast before the daytona 500 and um that'll be fun so everybody uh thanks as always for listening check out the athletic um for all our post-race coverage and uh coverage leading up to daytona we have some stories in the works i know jordan's been working hard as well and uh, we can't wait to see everybody um, at the track again soon. So until then, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time on The Teardown.